I imagine when we're over the road a little while later, during the meal, we're going to take a fair few photographs. Probably me taking a lot of I love taking photographs of things. <laughs> the interesting things, photos, they capture these little memories, these little moments, little pieces of your life frozen in time. Yet, photographs always give us very filtered memories, paused memories. For photos, we tend to pause what we're doing and pause and then get back to what we were doing before the photo was taken, unless they're taken unawares. But most of the time, photographs don't capture what actually happened, they capture these little moments. Take, for example, my wedding day. I have got permission from Amelia to show these pictures. <laughs> Here's me at the front of the church as Amelia is walking down the aisle. Everything looks calm and I look collected. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> what you can't see in this photo is that I'd just arrived late after getting delayed in traffic. By the way, who got completely thrown by the traffic and the road being closed this morning? A few of us. <laughs> I was late by about, I think I was 20 minutes late. I was stressed out. <laughs> and Amelia had been in the wedding car circling the block for about half an hour, waiting for me to get here first. You can't see that in that picture. What about this lovely one of us outside the church? There you go. <laughs> what you can't see in that picture is the fact that it had been chucking it down with rain up until this point, and there's a massive puddle underneath us, and my sister is just out of frame holding Amelia's dress out of the puddle. See, when you go on Facebook or Instagram today, you will see a lot of people's photos. But they're the paused moments, and sometimes they're the edited moments, filtered, modified, sometimes filtered way too much. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. I was going to put a few up of, you know, photographs that have been way too filtered, where the person doesn't even look human anymore. I saw a great one with somebody wearing a baseball cap, and a, an eyebrow had been overlaid over the top of the cap. And I thought, I can't show those, that's just unkind. But isn't it, I'm sure you've all seen them, where every facial flaw has been ironed out to the point where you look like you've just come down from a spaceship. But you know, we don't just do that with our photographs. We also filter the version of ourselves that we show the world. I wonder, anyone who's regular here at church, have you ever put on your church face? You know, where you've had a right week, you've had, been going through it, but the second you walk through, coming up again, second you walk through the door. How are you doing? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Blessing of the Lord's upon me. Even though while you've been in the car, you've just been, oh, I can't face today. <laughs> Anyone been there? Yeah. <laughs> 
Sometimes we only let people see us through the filter. But you know, it goes deeper than that. It's not just what we show to others that we filter, but also it's what we show ourselves. We tell stories about ourselves, stories that ignore the flaws, ignore the things we don't like about ourselves. We always ensure that in our own stories, well, we're the hero. I mentioned this to my mum yesterday, and she said she's never the hero in her own story. She feels more like the sidekick. <laughs> but I think that might be um, not the norm. <laughs> That's my mum. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> I wonder what we'd look like if we took off our own filter. That's what I call this morning's message is hashtag no filter. What do we look like with the filter off? What if we looked at ourselves through God's eyes? The one who sees through any pretense we have. The one who sees any filter you could ever put on. You know, in the middle of Psalm 139, there's a very dangerous prayer. And this morning I'm going to encourage us to pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, what a prayer that is. You know, we sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. But this prayer is, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see me. Asking God to really search us. To say, God, know my heart. Now, God already knows our heart. God's not learning anything new when we pray this prayer. Try me and know my thoughts. He knows your thoughts before you even have them. The writer isn't just asking for God to know these things. He's asking for God to show him these things. This morning, this is not about anybody else in the room. It's not... God, search Cliff and let me know if there's any wrong thing in him. It's not God. Sorry, it's hard not to pick on people, isn't it? Sorry, Trevor. It's not, I know there's something up with Trevor, God, show him. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> it is search me. Know my heart. See if there's any grievous way or wrong way in me. This prayer says, God, take the filter off and show me where I am with you. And this morning, that's the challenge I want to put out to each one 
of us. I wonder, are you prepared for God to show you what you look like with the filter off? You know, it's very easy to ignore our faults and to just focus on the faults of Trevor. I mean, others. <laughs> I know you will. <laughs> it's easy to overlook ourselves and see what's wrong with the world or what's wrong with the church or what's wrong with Trevor. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore, no more. It's what you get when you sit on the front row. <laughs> it's important we get to grips with who we are without the cross. This prayer is a prayer of someone who is serious about God using them. This is the prayer of somebody who really wants to know God and for God to bring about a change in their lives. I tell you, this is a dangerous prayer. Because if you prayed, God might answer it. It's also a prayer I dare say doesn't honestly get prayed as often as it should. Because I don't believe you can engage with the word of God without some serious, personal self-reflection that goes alongside it. And I don't think self-examination is all that popular. We can be very, very happy to examine others. But ourselves? Surely I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm a nice person. The trouble is, is the story we tell ourselves about how good we are. Did you know everybody else is telling themselves exactly the same story? Everybody. I'm the good guy. We're all the heroes in our own story, except my mum. What is it that defines you? Is it who you think you are, or is it something deeper? I'm going to give you an example. Now, if you've heard this example before, or you guess who I'm talking about, don't shout it out. It's a spoiler. I'll get there. In Homes and Garden magazine, they did an article on a certain person many years ago. I think we've got the cover of the magazine there. There we go, Homes and Garden magazine. It's been around for a long time. Is it still around now? It's fun some people knew that. <laughs> and they often do profiles of people who have a nice garden and their owners. That always helps sell magazines if you can say there's a famous person and we're going to show you their garden and a little bit inside their house this week. I'm going to read some sections of it out, and uh, as I am, see if you recognize who this person is. And I've missed some bits out that give the game away. It had to be close to the border, barely 10 miles from Mozart's own home. First, it was no more than a hunter's shack. It's okay, you can clear that, Sean, for now. It has grown until today, it's a, it's a very handsome chalet amid pine woods and cherry orchards. As his famous book about his struggle 
became a bestseller of astonishing power. Four and a half million copies of it have been sold. He began to think about replacing that humble shack with a house and garden of suitable score. There's nothing pretentious about this little estate. It is one any merchant might possess in these lovely hills. It's a mistake to guess that weekend guests are all or even mainly officials. He delights in the society of brilliant foreigners, especially painters, musicians, and singers. As a host, he is a droll raconteur. There's a word we don't use enough today. But guest bedrooms are hung with old engravings. But more interesting than any of these to a visitor are his own watercolour sketches. Time was when, as a hungry man, he was glad to raise a little bit of money by selling one of these works. The gardens are simply enough laid out. Lawns at different levels are planted with flowering shrubs as well as roses and other blooms in due season. He, I may add, has a passion about cut flowers in his home. He also has a passion for music. Every morning at nine, he goes out for a walk and talks with the gardeners about their day's work. These men, like his chauffeur and air pilot, are not so much servants, but are loyal friends. A lifelong vegetarian at the table, his kitchen plots are both varied and heavy on produce. Even in his meatless diet, he is something of a gourmet. Some of his pedigree pets are allowed the run of the house, especially on days where he gives a funfair to the local children. The little ones are all invited into the house and there's coffee, cakes, fruits, sweets are laid out for them on trestle tables in the grassy orchids. This is the only home where he can really just laugh and take his ease, or even conduct tours by means of a tripod telescope he operates himself on this terrace for visitors. This place is mine, he says, very simply. I built it with money that I earned. So what, I wonder, do we make of this man? He seems wealthy, talented, cultured, kind to children. He's a vegetarian. He seems like such a good guy. This was a, taken from an article called, and you can put it up now, Sean, Hitler's Mountain Home. Some people guessed right there. This article was written and published in 1938. The book of his struggle that sold four and a half million copies was Mein Kampf. This is 1938. In the timeline of what's already taken place when this was published, the Gestapo have been established. The homeless, the alcoholics, the unemployed are already getting sent to Nazi concentration camps. 
The Nuremberg Laws that provided the legal framework to persecute the Jewish people is already in place. Austria has already been annexed by Germany. Well, suddenly, this guy doesn't seem quite so nice anymore, does he? He doesn't seem quite so kind. He doesn't seem quite so cultured. But this article, he seems like such a nice person. Yeah, I think we can all today know that story was not the real Hitler. Yes? The real Hitler is a man I think very few people will disagree with you if you use the word evil. Watch the ones who don't. <laughs> now I'm using an extreme example here. But listen, this is an example of what every single person does. When we look through our filter, the version of ourselves that we present, what he showed to the world, the story he told himself, was not the real person. It is not the filter or the, the shore that determines who you really are. It is our actions. And his actions, I don't think you could define them as anything other than evil. See, that's the mark we leave on the world. That's the mark we leave on people. That's the legacy. Our actions. Not the story we tell ourselves. See, and again, I'm using the extreme here to make a point. Hitler did not think he was evil. The version he pretended existed was the guy who was cultured, kind, and good to children. He didn't confront the reality of who he was. I wonder this morning, what's the story we tell ourselves? This makes me think of a passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21.2 says this. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord wears the heart. Most people in life think they're doing pretty well. I think that's a fair assumption. You ask most people. Most people who believe in heaven... Do you deserve heaven? The answer you will get from most people is, I'm a good person, yes. Sometimes we will even say that, even in the face of compelling evidence to the contrary. But this morning, if you take the filter off, if you say, search me, God, and know my heart, I wonder what you really look like. God sees past the pretense. He sees past the filter. God sees the truth. When we strip away the face we put on for the world, when we're alone in the quiet, who is the real you? I believe there's three things that are true of all of us. First thing is, we all know deep down that we have failed. 
failed to be as good as we would want to be, failed to make the right decisions at a time we knew fine well the right decision to make. We know in times in our life that there's been the right thing to do and we've held back from doing it. And that in itself has also been wrong and we felt bad about it. I believe every person in this room has at some point gone, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Or, why didn't I do that? If we were to honestly pray that prayer, if we were to ask God to show us our hearts, I don't believe we'd altogether like what we see. You know, we look at the world and we know this world has problems. But deep down we know we're part of the problem. Second, I think the second thing that is true for all of us is we all long for something more. This world, the things in it, many of them are good. But there's a desire inside us for something more, something bigger, a connection that this world just can't seem to offer us. Sometimes we as Christians will call this the God-shaped hole. Call it whatever you want. There's a longing inside of us for something we just can't see. And sometimes we try and fill that hole with anything we can. We look for things that make sure that the loneliness isn't felt. And often, those things do us more harm than good. And in us, not having this fulfillment of something more creates a sadness. That we all know there's something just missing but we don't know what it is third thing that's true about us all is we're all pretty good at hiding the first two you know the Bible would agree that these are universal truths about all of us the Bible tells us that Jesus came to deal with the things we're all in need of. The first one is the failure. The Bible calls it sin. A falling short. In the book of Romans 3 verse 23 it tells us this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now I know that's true about me. All have fallen short. All have got it wrong. You know, the Bible says there's not one who's righteous. And then goes, no, <laughs> not one. <laughs> not one of us who can stand up and honestly say, you might have got it wrong, Trevor, but I've got it right. Not one of us can say that. You know, sin isn't just the things we do. Sometimes it's the things we don't do. 
James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now on the surface we may deny all of this. But honestly, I think deep down, we all know that it's true. That we fail to stop ourselves from doing wrong. And sometimes we just seem unable to push ourselves to do what's right. If we took off the filter and saw the real us, I don't think we'd like what we see. But you see, that's why Jesus came. Because it's a problem none of us have it in us to fix. But Jesus can. Jesus came and lived the life we can't live. He came and everywhere we get it wrong, he got it right. He is the only one who has ever lived a perfect life. The only one who could say, I got it right. And then he gave that perfect life on a cross. He allowed himself to be taken, beaten, and nailed to a piece of wood. And all of our failures, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, he took them on himself. He willingly took them and made up for our failure. Why? Because Jesus loves each of us. That he was willing to do that. He came to deal with the first problem we all have. Listen, you might have opinions on who Jesus is and why he came. But I tell you, that's the reason. He came to die. To put right what we've put wrong. He also came to deal with a second problem. He came to show us that there is more. The reason that we have this hole inside of us is that we've become disconnected from our Creator. To show us the sadness deep within is there because we are living in a way we're not designed to live. Listen, we weren't meant to do life alone. We were meant to live a life connected to our loving Heavenly Father. I mean, just look at little Ethan. Is he asleep? Oh, hello, Ethan. Of course you're not asleep. <laughs> Ethan was designed to be cared for by loving parents. For Angus and for Chloe to protect him and look after him. Nobody would expect Ethan to thrive if Angus and Chloe said, okay, you're one now, time to get a job. <laughs> no one would expect him to do well because he'd be living in a way he's not designed to live. You've got to wait till two before he gets a job. <laughs> we are designed to live in connection 
with God. And outside of that, it is impossible to thrive. Because we were made to have a relationship with him. We were made to be part of his world and his kingdom. And outside of that, it's cold and dark and something's missing. If you don't have that, then today that could change. That could change for you. If you're watching and you don't have that, that can change for you in an instant. Today we're celebrating a new birth. You know, you can celebrate a whole other type of new birth. Where you can be born into a brand new life. And everything can change. You know, when we see the world and we're disconnected to God, there's an emptiness, darkness to the world. Have you ever been wearing sunglasses all day? And you don't notice it initially, but when you take them off, everything just seems that little bit brighter. When they're on, the colours is just not quite right. Everything's a bit muted. But you take them off. And the world suddenly looks alive again. Bright. Colourful. I've heard many people say when they came to Jesus, when they gave their life to him, the world suddenly looked more alive. The grass seemed greener. The birds sang sweeter. Because you see in the world for the first time with the veil off. You see in the world without the filter. I wonder this morning if we dare pray. Search my heart and know me, God. See if there's any wrong way in me. You know, when you see yourself as God sees you, yes, you see what's wrong. But you know what else you see? You'll see how loved, how valued, how precious your life is to God. You are so valued that he sent Jesus to die for you. And I tell you, if you're the only person it would have affected, he still would have done it. That's how precious your life is. That's how valued you are. When you know that, when you can accept that, I tell you, it puts everything else in life into perspective. Search me, know my heart, God. What a dangerous prayer. Because if God does show you, well, you'd have to do something about it. I wonder if we could pray together now. We just bow our heads and 
I just want to give an opportunity first. That this morning, if something's resonated with you, you've never asked God before to show you who he is. You've never responded to Jesus before. But if this morning, if you want to pray that prayer, search my heart and know me. I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here this morning who wants to pray that for the first time. If they'd raise their hands now. Heads are bowed, no one's looking at you. No, except me. The second thing I'd like to ask. If you've prayed that prayer many times before, you've been following Jesus maybe a while, but actually you feel like you really need God, I need you to search me. I need you to show me what needs putting right. You know, that prayer doesn't end with Nothing at that end. It, it ends with, lead me in the way everlasting. This morning, if you just want to take that time, pray that prayer. Well, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I asked Chris and Karen if they could come up. That's okay. And just as we sing, can we stay sat down as we sing? And just spend some time listening to the words of the song. But also praying that prayer, if you dare, pray that prayer.